Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. I often heard it said that eloquence is not in the pulpit but in the pews. And I've come to realize that over the many years that I've been ministering the Word of God, that is not how much we say, what we say, how we say it, or how anointed is the Word that we minister. But it all depends on the ability and the capacity of people to receive what is communicated and apply it in their lives. Amen? That's why Jesus said often, those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Now everybody had ears on their heads, and everybody had eyes on their heads, but not everyone was able to receive, understand what was communicated, and apply it in their lives. The Bible speaks about another set of eyes and another set of ears that the disciple has. The spiritual side as well as the hearing in the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 5 speaks of developing our spiritual senses so that we can go on to maturity and be able to receive not just the milk of the Word but also the deep revelation of the Word, the wisdom of God, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So I pray this morning that our ears are open, not this ones, but the ones in our spirit. And being able to understand what is communicated today through the Spirit, God had given me a message to bring to you, and I pray that this message will find fruitful, and receptive hearts. I want to talk to you this morning about becoming fruit-bearing disciples. Becoming fruit-bearing disciples. Jesus said, when we bear fruit, we bring much glory to our Heavenly Father. Now, we're not talking about being saved or not saved, going to heaven or not going to heaven, because there are many believers who are going to heaven, they are saved, but they are not fruitful in the things of God. And I want to lay a foundation by reading a few verses from John's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus is speaking, and this is what He said. I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you 
unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, in the above verses that we've just read, the Lord Jesus gave us the secret of how to become fruitful disciples. He said that the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it remains and abides on the vine. He said, neither can we unless we remain and we abide in him. Of course, he is the vine, and we are the branches of that vine. He is the head, we are the body of Christ. Now, over the years that I have walked with the Lord, I have seen so many, and it's very discouraging, unfruitful disciples. As I said, I'm not talking about not being saved or not going to heaven. We're not speaking about that this morning. We are speaking about disciples who bear fruit to the glory of God. And over the years that I have walked with the Lord, I have seen so many that are barren when it comes to bearing fruit to the glory of God. The walk with the Lord has been mostly barren, inconsistent, and characterized with ups and downs. You know, I have a name for these disciples. I call them submariners. They surface for a while. They do well. They walk with God. They serve God. They are hot for a season, and then after a while, they submerge. They grow cold. They backslide. They go back into the world, some of them. Now, in the parable of the sower, Jesus gave his statistics that only 25% of the people who received and heard the word will go on and produce fruit. 25%. That means 25 disciples out of 100 who hear the word being ministered to them, only 25 of the 100 will go on and bear fruit to the glory of God. Now, the rest will fall by the wayside. That's what Jesus said. He said some of them will fall by the wayside, 25%. 25% will become offended at one point or another at the Word or with God and walk away from the Word. And others will allow, the rest, 25%, will allow the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things to enter their hearts and become unfruitful in the things of God or in their service towards the Lord. Only 25 out of 100 will go on and receive the Word with a patient heart, Jesus said, will work with the Word, will continue to remain in the Word, and then bring forth fruit, some of them 30, some of them 60, and some of them 100-fold. Praise God for those 25% that 
and I trust you are one of the 25% that will produce fruit. Now, being in business in the early years of my walk with the Lord, one of the toughest battles I fought, and by the grace of God I was able to win, was to remain, the battle to remain close to the Lord, remain in the Word, and resist the temptation to be swallowed up by the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. In other words, pursuing other things rather than the will of God for my life. Believe me, it was a tough battle to fight. And I understand today folks who are in the world, who are in the marketplace, have a responsibility there, have um, workload that sometimes is beyond what they are able to carry with their strength. I can understand the struggle and the battle they go through to keep the hearts fully committed to the Lord and to His Word and not allow the cares of the world, the stress of life, the deceitfulness of riches or the desire for building a career rather than being in the center of God's will. Believe me, I understand what it's like. I fought that battle. It almost swallowed me up, but thank God for His grace and His wisdom, I was able to ride and process that and remain in the Word and in the Lord so that I could fulfill my purpose and destiny that God had set out for me long before I got onto this earth. Amen. And those of you who are in the marketplace have demanding jobs can understand what I'm talking about. Amen. Now, over and over again, during that struggle, during the battle that I fought, being in business, I would hear the whisper of the Lord, the whisper of His Spirit deep down in my heart through 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. This verse of Scripture became the catalyst for guarding my heart against the cares of this world against the distractions that came my way in order to maintain my balance and my focus on the Lord in His Word and remain in prayer. And I'm reading from the Amplified Translation. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. No soldier, when in service, gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life. His aim is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted him. Now, I understood, and you need to understand and have a personal revelation that you are a soldier of the King. You are a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the life of the soldier is not an easy one. It's a tough one. There are challenges you need to overcome. There are sacrifices you need to make in order to maintain the level of obedience that is required of you as a soldier of the Lord Jesus. That's why Paul said to Timothy, endure suffering as a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have this mindset today in the church 
that the universe centers and exists around us. We come to church for what we can receive and what we can get rather than coming with an attitude, how can I serve and how can I be a part of what God is doing in this house and be able to be a contributor, not just a consumer. When you have this mentality that you come to God for what you can get, you won't last long. Hello? I remember in the early days, I used to bargain with the Lord. Lord, if you do this, I will do that. And I learned the hard way. You cannot bargain with God. You serve Him in good times and in bad times. You serve Him when the going is good and when the going is rough. And when you are required to make certain sacrifices, amen, and pay the cost of following Jesus closely. Because the most important thing in life that we have been given is our relationship and our intimacy with the Lord, and nothing must take priority over that. Amen? Because that is the foundation upon which you build your life. And if we keep on building on that foundation, when the storms of life come against us, and they will, we will be able to stand and remain faithful, committed, and fruitful in the work of the Lord. But if we keep on building on sand, other than that foundation of our intimacy with the Lord, whatever we build in due time will collapse. Because the winds of life will blow. The rain will come, Jesus said. Amen? And so we need to take stock of that. And so... It was a battle I had to fight to maintain my balance, to maintain my commitment to the Lord, to maintain my, my, my service to Him and, and understanding and knowing that I want to remain in the center of God's will for my life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. But you need to fight your own battle, no matter where you are. Amen? You need to resist the temptations and the distractions. Not necessarily evil or sin in themselves, but they are distractions that the enemy throws at you in order to get you off balance or divert your attention and your focus, where your focus becomes something else the desire and the pursuit for other things rather than being in the center of the will of God for your life, even at the cost of certain things. I recall when I made up my mind and I made that quality decision, my business had to take a knock. Yes, I could have made more money, but to what end and to what purpose? Amen. So I decided... Making more more money is not that important to me as it is in maintaining my union and my abiding and remaining in the Lord. Now, one cannot help but ask, why is there such an inconsistency in the disciples of today, in the believers of today? Why is it that believers lack the strength to stay the course and remain 
and abide in the vine so that they can produce the kind of fruit that brings honor to the Lord. I know I've asked these questions many times. And uh, to, to be honest with you, I have seen so much inconsistency in my 41 years walk with the Lord, both from believers and from ministers of the gospel that would last me a lifetime. You know, if you're in the ministry, it's very discouraging to see what's going on in the church, to, to look at believers' lives and even ministers' lives. A month doesn't go by where you hear of some minister falling into sin and bringing disrepute to his ministry and to the body of Christ. Why is it that we lack that stamina, that fortitude, that inward strength that can successfully resist temptation and overcome the challenges of life and maintain our union and our intimacy and fellowship with the Lord? Now, the truth of the matter is that we lack the necessary fortitude, the necessary strength. I'm not talking about physical strength. I'm talking about inward strength, inward fortitude. That's why Paul, when he prays for the churches, he says, I pray that you might be strengthened by His Spirit in your inner man. That's where we really need to get strong, in our spirit, in our inner man. You know, the Bible says physical exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable for all things. And we see how much time and energy and resources are being spent on maintaining our physical um, health and our physical fitness. But really, oftentimes we do that at the expense of the weakness of our spirits. Our spirits are weak. They lack the fortitude. They lack the stamina. They lack the strength that is able to resist the temptation, overcome the tests and trials of life, and walk above them and soar, as the Bible says, and soar like wings of an eagle above the challenges of life. That's why we see believers up and down, in and out, hot and cold. One day they well, praising God, everything is fine. The next day, how are you doing? And you regret you've asked them how they're doing. They're down in the dumps, in the blues. Well, the reason that we do not have the fortitude and the strength that is required to maintain a steady walk with God, an intimate walk with God, is because we fail to abide and remain in the Lord as Jesus instructed us to do. For without me, he says, you can do nothing. Now, where there is no abiding, there is no strength. Strength to stand faithful and committed to the Lord's purpose. And so in this lesson today, I, I trust that I will be able to finish what I want to say today. And I don't leave it halfway, because I don't have another Sunday here <laughs> to, to build on that. The, I want to share some principles, because sometimes people don't know, how do I abide in the Lord? 
Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it will be done for you. Now, how do you practically remain and abide in the Lord and the Lord and his word abide in you? Some believers don't know how. Well, this is what I want to share. Not only from the Bible, but also from my own experience that will help us understand how to remain and abide in the Lord as well as how to remain planted in the house that God has placed you in. Judith shared with us how she's planted here. She says, I've been here for 10 years and I've seen her sons come. They got born again and you know, they stayed for a while. Even Barry stayed for a while, and then they went off. I don't know where they drifted. Some of them, well, one of them is, has gone to another church and is prospering there. Praise God for that. But she remained planted. And there were many opportunities that were given to her and temptation that came her way to up and leave, either through offense or by being hurt or whatever. She's here. And she says, I'm a daughter of this house. I'm not going anywhere. Now, <laughs> it's, when we remain in the Lord, we also remain in his body. When we serve God, at the same time, we cannot help but serve his body. You cannot separate the Lord from his church. You cannot separate the head from the body. Some people say, well, I walk with the Lord, but man, church, <laughs> man, so full of hypocrites. I don't want to have anything to do with church. Well, that is deception in the highest form. How can you say you walk with the Lord whom you have not seen, and you cannot walk with your brother whom you see? Amen. John says, if we love God, then we ought to love one another. You love the head, you love the body. You do not separate the head from the body. So I want to be sharing some principles with you how to abide and remain in the Lord, but also how to remain in the house and in the family that God has planted you in. Amen. Now, I will share a little bit from my own testimony and from my own experience so that I'm, I'm becoming vulnerable and sharing with you because I think, I think when I do that, you are able to receive it much better. So I'm not preaching something that I have read in the Bible, although that's good, or I have read in a book. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you something that I've lived for 41 years. And as I look over my walk with the Lord over 41 years, I do not recall a time or a season in which I have grown cold in my faith or have become uninterested in the things of the Spirit one way or another. I've always pursued God. I've always been interested in the things of the Spirit. I've always tried to maintain my fellowship and closeness to the Lord and being found always in the center of God's will. That is where I attribute my success as a disciple of the Lord. Being found in the center of the will of God. Not in His permissive will, but in His perfect will, doing what I was called to do and being where God has placed me. 
Now, that's the secret of being fruitful. Now, even though throughout the years of my walk with God, I faced many a trial, much persecution and resistance, both from within my own Greek family as well as from without, much persecution, I have found the grace of God abundant and more than enough enabling me to navigate through all of these challenges and circumstances that came my way even when I had to stand alone without any other physical support around me. Now, I'm not better than anyone else. There has to be a secret. Why? Why even in the hardest times or in the most severe trials and persecutions, what was it that kept me close, remain, and abiding in the Lord? Now, in my close examination and research, I came up with a conclusion that convinced me of the key to maintaining our union with Christ. The two pillars of my strength in the Lord throughout the years has been, number one, the Word of God and my commitment to the Word to study it, to fellowship with it, to meditate in it day and night. And number two, the time I invest in my prayer life, in my prayer closet. Now, this is not a legalistic ritual. I'd love to spend time with God. I love to sit in His presence and just meditate in His Word, fellowship in His Word. I'd love to grow quiet and listen to what He has to say to me regularly. And I'd love to pour out my heart I don't pray because I have to. I pray because I want to. It is not a legal obligation for me. It is not a rule. This is not law that I'm preaching to you. It's grace. Amen? Now, these two things, the Word and prayer together, have been throughout the years my refueling station, the refueling station of my faith and the strength of my walk with the Lord. These two things, the word and prayer, have given me the wings of an eagle, as Isaiah describes it so beautifully, that I could soar above the trial, above the challenges, above the onslaught that the enemy sometimes unleashes against the disciple to make him unfruitful or to distract him from walking in the center of the will of God. The wings of an eagle. Isaiah describes it so beautifully in Isaiah. This is one of my favorite portions of Scripture in the Bible. Chapter 40, verse 28 through to 31. Let's begin reading from verse 28. Have you not known... Unfortunately, not many of us know this. That's why they continue to run in their own strength. And you run in your own strength, you're going to fail sooner or later. 
Human ability and human strength will only last you for a season. Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Glory to God. When we take time to be with the Lord on a daily basis, He renews our strength. And as your days are, so shall your strength be. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I talk to so many today. I am just, and this is what I commonly hear. I'm so worn out. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. I can't wait for holidays to come. They deplete it. Even ministers of the gospel, they are empty. They're running on fumes. They're burning weak instead of burning oil. And I know why. Because when I ask them, how much time do you spend in waiting on God? What is God saying to you now at this present stage of your life or in your ministry? They look at me with eyes wide open and they say, I don't know. I haven't heard from God for ages. I cannot, I cannot imagine not hearing from my Heavenly Father or from His Spirit. I cannot. We should be hearing and hearing and hearing because that is where our strength comes from. But this hearing can only take place not in a rush. You've got, to give, you've got to carve time out of your busy schedule. Listen to me, disciples. If you're not willing to pay the cost and the price of doing this, you will never move beyond of where you have been for I don't know how long, how many years. You will not become productive and fruitful in the kingdom of our God. You're going to have to carve time out from your busy schedule, even at the cost of other things. And I'm talking about quality time where you sit before God and His presence and you open your heart to Him and you say, Lord, here I am. I'm waiting on You. I'm listening to you. What is it you want to communicate to me today? And Lord, I'm not in a rush. I have nowhere else to go. This is my time with you. This is my appointment with you. Even if you have to get up at five in the morning. There were times when I did that. Because I had to go to work. There was a time when I was in the army and I would wake up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and go out into the bush on my own while the rest were sleeping because I love the presence of God to this day. 
I love the quietness of the morning when I sit and I enjoy His presence. There is a refreshing. There is a restoration. There is a renewing in our minds. There is a renewing of our strength as we come to make that connection with God. And you cannot do this in a hurry. I'm reminded of one of the first revelations the Lord had given me concerning this principle that I'm sharing with you. You remember Samson? Do you recall where was the strength of Samson? It was in the length of his hair. But you know, somehow Delilah managed to deceive him. And she seduced him, and he fell asleep on her lap, and she took her scissors and cut his hair. Then he became just as a common man. His strength left him. His power left him. He didn't even realize that until the Philistines were on top of him. And the Lord showed me this. He said the world, or Delilah, is a type of the spirit of the world today. Mesmerize you. Deceive you. Lull you to sleep. And when we allow the spirit of this age to remove us from the word and from prayer, we become ordinary men and women just like everyone else. No strength. Why? Because the enemy has managed to cut our hair, to sever the source or the connection where we refuse. Just Put your Bible somewhere, leave it for weeks, don't even open it. Neglect prayer for a while, you will become as weak as everybody else. When temptation comes, you will not have the strength, the fortitude, or the stamina to resist the enemy. No wonder Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We become powerless against the enemy. So many are running today in their own strength. That's why they're collapsing. They depend on the ability of the flesh and the wisdom of men rather than abiding in the strength of the Lord. This is the reason they stumble and fall by the wayside. Why? Because human strength and ability is limited, but God is unlimited. Psalm 73, verse 26, My flesh and my heart fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh will fail me. My heart will deceive me. But God is the strength of my life. And unless we allow God to be the strength of our lives, we will also stumble and fall. And it's not just you falling or backsliding or committing some sin. It's the body of Christ that is being maligned, accused, and ridiculed because of our attitude and behavior. They said, look at him. He's got this huge church, he's got this huge ministry, and this is what he was doing behind the scenes. Hello? It, it's going to take more than human strength and ability to do the work of God. You see, in the Word and in prayer and fellowship with Him, we find the grace. 
We find the strength, we find the fortitude, and we find the stamina we need to maintain that close union with Him. It is in the place of prayer that our spirits are nurtured. They are nourished and strengthened, and our soul is revived. It is in the Word where we see the Lord moving and working and guiding and revealing Himself to us as He renews our mind and opens our eyes in the Spirit to see who He really is and understand Him in a way that we've never understood Him before. Where do we get that? Only in the Word. You, you, you can't find it anywhere else. You can't find it in the enjoyment and the pleasures of this world. The Bible says, In His presence there is fullness of joy, and at His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. It is in the secret place where we meet with the Lord, in the Word and in prayer, where our roots, the roots of our faith, go deep down into the soil of God's love. And it is there where He cements our union, our abiding with Him, and nothing in this world can snatch us out of His hand. But it's going to take, it's going to come at a price, folks. That's why we see so much weakness in the church, so much failure in the church. Why? Because disciples refuse to remain and abide in the Lord. They run in the strength of the flesh, in the wisdom of men, and in their own reasoning and devices, rather than seeking God's face to receive the necessary ingredients that they need to remain and become fruitful in the things of God. Without the consistent study of the Word and without the consistent prayer life, we leave ourselves so vulnerable and open to the enemy's attacks. Jesus said, And the cares of this world, Mark 4.19, and the deceitfulness of riches, if one doesn't get you, the other will get you. And the desire for other things, entering in, entering in where? In the heart. That's where the strength lies, in the heart. For out of the heart proceed the virtues or the power of life. You've got to guard your heart with all diligence. If you allow your heart to be overtaken by worry and the cares of this world or by the pursuit of other things, the Bible says you will become unfruitful in the things of God. Entering in, what do they do? They choke the very life of God in us. And we become unfruitful and unproductive in the things of God. But you see, we have to allow them to come in. But let me tell you something. <laughs> when there is a word abiding in your heart and your heart is filled with the word, and it is watered by prayer, the cares of this world will find no room. The deceitfulness of riches will find no room to enter into your spirit, into your heart, and make you unfruitful in the things of God. You have to fill your heart with something. And if it's not filled with God's Word and God's Spirit, then the world will come and fill it with its cares, with its, with its deceitfulness, and with a desire for other things. It's your responsibility to keep the garden of your heart. It's not God's responsibility, folks. 
Amen? It's your responsibility. Guard your heart, the Bible says, with all diligence, because from there are the issues of life. Your heart will guide you to your destiny if it's kept pure and in God. Your heart will speak to you and will direct you because that is where God by His Spirit resides. Amen? So we need to make a quality decision, evaluate our priorities in life. What is important in my life? And even at the cost of everything else, return. I'm preaching a message of repentance today. Return. Return where? Return to the Word and return to your prayer closet. Because that's where you're going to find life. Not just coming to church once a week. (laughs) I wish it was enough. Now, Very quickly, if we are to bear fruit as disciples of the Lord, we are first to remain in the Lord, as I've explained. But also, we need to remain and throw roots in the family God places us in. Psalm 92, verse 13, 14, and 15 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. What a testimony of a man who's lived his life in the Lord and is 85, 90. In fact, there is a beautiful, beautiful person in, in, in Limassol, Cyprus. He is 90, 95, standing upright. Every time you talk to him, the Word of God is coming out of his mouth. And he is, he's fit as a young man. What's the secret? He's planted. He's rooted in God and rooted in the place that God placed him in. So you see here, the key word is planted. Those who are planted cannot be uprooted. Amen. When the winds come, I'm I'm sure you saw some pictures of the hurricane and all of that, trees being uprooted by the strong winds. But if you throw deep roots into the soil of God's love and into the soil of the family that God places you in because you know that's where God placed you, that's where God planted you, and you begin to throw roots into that no matter what kind of winds blow, no matter what kind of tests or trials the church goes through, you are going to be one of those pillars that remain strong and planted in the house of God. Hallelujah. And I've watched over many years, many believers come and go from this house. The reason being, they have not been planted. They have not made that heart connection with the house. They were here physically. They were not here spiritually. Because you can be here physically, but your heart could be miles away. You haven't made that connection. Amen? You see, the secret is, making, is abiding and making that connection with the house. Hello? Now, 
They haven't made that connection with the heart. It is a heart connection. You see, your heart has to embrace the values and the purpose of this family as required. If you do not embrace the spirit, the anointing, the values, the principles that this house teaches and make that connection, you're not planted. Sooner or later, the wind is going to uproot you and take you away. Amen? This is so true what I'm telling you. Alignment is not a physical thing, you being here on a Sunday morning or whenever we have some program. Alignment is a matter of the spirit, is a matter of the heart. You align with the vision, the values, the anointing, and of course the father of the house. So what's on him comes on you. But if you don't make that connection... I don't care. You, you, you're not connected. You're not planted. And sooner or later, something is going to come along. A temptation, an offense will come along, or you will be ignored for a season or hurt or something, and you will up and go and come up with this excuse. The Lord is leading me in another direction. You know how many times I've heard this? Look, is the Lord schizophrenic or something? How does he guide you one day and he makes sure and clear that this is where he wants you planted and then after a few months he changes his mind and he says, no, I have another direction for you. You know how many times I've heard that? Not just from here, but from overseas as well. Then I question myself. Is the Lord confused? Sure, there are times where you need to make a transition from one to the other, and it happens, but rarely that happens. Not every few months. And you see believers in and out, going there tomorrow, you find them over there, the next day, the next few months, you find them over there, and you wonder, what's going on? Why? They're not planted. Why? Because they're not willing to give and serve. They're only looking for what they can receive. Hello. Now, <laughs> let me move on. You see, when you come with a certain mindset to join a family, and you come with a mindset that says, what can this church or this ministry do for me? Already. Already you are treading on thin ice. Sure, when this ministry through its various outreaches touches you, blesses you with the ministry of the Word, that's initial, the initial attraction. That's the honeymoon period. But once you have received the blessing and the anointing and the touch of the Lord on your life through this ministry and its various outreaches, how do you reciprocate? How do you respond? Do you continue have that mindset, what can this church do for me? If you do, you're not lasting long. The mindset that we should have when God leads us somewhere is, you know, I am a valuable asset and a valuable member of the body of Christ, and my joining to this house will add value, will contribute, and will make it a better place than it was before I joined. What can I do for this house that will make it a better place? What can I give to this house 
that it hasn't got that will make it a better place. You see, when you come with that mindset, already you are putting yourself under the spout or the flow of the anointing that rests on the house. And if there is an anointing of restoration on the house, and you come with the servant heart to serve the house and the body here and the people of this house, then you become a recipient of that restoring anointing, of that blessing, and everything in your life begins to fall in order and being restored. Your relationships are restored. Your body is restored. Your mind is restored. Your finances is restored. Why? Because you have planted yourself under the spout of the blessing with your mindset and your actions. Let me prove it to you. Exodus 23, verse 25 and 26. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. That is a promise from God. Now, notice please that the blessing follows the serving. What's the first thing the word says here? You shall serve the Lord and he shall bless. The blessing always comes after the serving, not before the serving. That is a law. What you put in, that's exactly what you're going to get out. You put nothing in, nothing comes out. Hello? That's the law of the heat as well. It's like sitting before the fireplace and saying, give me some heat and I'll give you some good. Does, you're violating a law. You've got to put the wood in to get the heat out. It's like a vending machine. You stand before the vending machine and you're waiting for something to drop. Nothing is going to drop until you put something inside. And many people come and they want to receive something, but they've never put anything inside. They've never invested the time in the family that God placed them. They've never exercised the gifts to do and help someone. They've never invested their money or the treasure in the house that God placed them. And then they're waiting for the blessing. Bless me, Lord, me and mine. You're violating a spiritual law. And it will not work for you unless you're willing to serve in some capacity. Hello? There are three primary ways we connect with the house that God placed us in. Three primary ways that we are planted and rooted in the family that God placed us in. All of them are important. Here they are. We serve through our time, we serve through our talents, and we serve through our treasure. The first thing that we invest our time in is in prayer for the family that God placed you in. You need to pray. And it is in prayer that God shows you what to do and how to invest in the house. I recall when, when I joined my first church, 
I spend time in prayer for the fellowship, for the pastor, for his wife, for the members of the church. I pray, and God would give me at that time prophetic words of encouragement for them. And I would walk up and bless them and encourage them. I became actively involved in the life of the fellowship that I was part of. I was not a pew warmer. I was a contributor, not a consumer. And that's how God blessed me. And I moved from one stage of growth, from one stage of fruitfulness to the next. The Bible says if you are unfaithful in the least, who's going to trust you with that which is much? Amen? Jesus put it so effectively in the words that are recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 21. Listen to what he said. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That means your heart follows your treasure. Your affection will follow where your investment is. If you invest time in prayer and become actively involved in serving the needs of the family that God placed you in, if you actively contribute to the financial welfare of the family that God placed you in and enabling them to do the work that God has called them to do, then what you are effectively doing is you're making that heart connection and you're coming under the spout of the anointing and the blessing that resides upon the house. And that grace begins to work in your life. It is in giving that you receive. It is in dying to your dreams and to your comfort that you begin to live the life that God has destined for you. Can I put it any clearer? I don't think so. I'm not saying you're not connected. I'm giving you the keys and the principles that will help you to remain in the Lord and remain in the house, throwing deep roots where God has placed you. Our investment into the family God places us in becomes the very connection of the anointing which abides in the house. The people you pray for regularly become part of you and you end up carrying them in your heart. You become one of them, and they become one with you. At least that's what Paul taught us. He said, I have you in my heart. Have you stopped to think why Paul says to so many people, I have you in my heart. Where I go, I carry you with me. Why? Because he constantly prayed for the people God placed in his life. Listen, you cannot easily point the finger and criticize a person that you regularly pray for. You cannot. Nor can you receive accusations and criticism from someone else about a person that you care for and you pray for. Have you noticed that? That is the practical way of loving people. Don't tell me you love me, you know, praying for me. Hello? You don't. When you make that heart connection through your servant heart, you become a faithful son and a daughter of the house. Do you know that inheritance belongs only to sons and daughters? Do you know that? Not orphans. Inheritance is much more than a blessing. Amen. 
We're talking about spiritual treasures and inheritance that God has promised to this family since 42 years ago that have been spoken and prophesied over the house. These words belong to you. These promises belong to you. The anointing on this house belongs to you. The grace that abides on my life belongs to you. It is the grace of God that has brought me to the place where I am today. I saw the grace of God in my finances, in my children, in their spouses, in their grandchildren. That is the anointing and the grace that God has given me, and it belongs to you if you are a daughter and a son of the house. But it only belongs to sons and daughters. You see, the son joins the house not for what he can get, but for what he can give to the house. There's a difference. Sons will stay with you throughout their lives. They remain faithful. They will honor you. Amen? Orphans stay only for a season. When you stop giving them what they want, they're off. They're out the door. Hello? Am I speaking to people who understand what I'm talking about? I love investing in sons and daughters. I love spending time with them. I love spending prayer, time in prayer for them. They are my pride and my joy. I brag on them wherever I go. Amen. And when you begin to serve, folks, in conclusion, when you begin to get involved and become part of the life of the fellowship and make that connection. You know, Michael had a men's meeting on Friday and spoke to us and he spoke about how we should connect with one another, fellowship with one another. And he said, we, we notice a, a, a distance. You know, the distance that we have with one another is the reflection of the distance we have with the Lord. When you are distant with the Lord and your intimacy with Him, I'm going to be distant with you. When I'm intimate with the Lord and vulnerable with the Lord, I'm going to be intimate and vulnerable with you as well. You see, it goes, it, our, our love for God reflects on the love that we have for people. It's a reflection. When you love God, you cannot help but love people. Amen? So, when you, when, when you become a servant, when you get involved, when you make that connection with the house, this is what happens to you. You begin to realize your own worth, your own value, and you discover your own strengths and gifts in the Lord. You find out who you really are by serving the Father's mission. Paul puts it the way that he said, you become partaker of the same grace. Now, sons, as I said, are with you, and they will remain with you, but orphans will stay for a season. May the Lord open our eyes to see the value of servanthood, the value of sonship, the value of being faithful not only to the Lord in our relationship with Him, but also being faithful to the family that God places us in. 
I love you folks, that's why I speak to you like that. I'm giving you keys. I'm giving you principles that will make you a fruitful disciple of the Lord Jesus. The question is, what are we going to do about it? Amen? Let's stand and close in prayer, please. You know, folks, when the Word of God is spoken, we can either leave this place today and it'll either just be taken from us. We, will, we can leave this place today and because our hearts are hard or we're impliable or we don't want to be humble and really take it to heart and it won't have any fruit. We can leave this place today and just get back into life and it'll be choked. Or we can leave this place today knowing that we've done business with God. Pastor Andreas said that, you know, what he's doing is he's giving us a call to repentance. What does that mean? It means he's giving us an opportunity by the Word of God. God is talking to us and saying, put first things first again. Amen. And maybe, maybe we have been caught up. Maybe you've been distracted. Maybe life has been busy. Maybe there's been demands on you that have just been taking your attention away and you've not been putting that first thing first. You've not been saying, God, you first and then everything else. And I want us to, to not leave without truly evaluating ourselves here this morning. Let's not carry on just being in a hurry, but let's take a moment. And as I sing the next song, it's an, it's an old song. It's called Be Magnified. If you feel that you want to do that this morning and you want to say, God, I've been distracted. It's not a sin. This is not. But God, I want to come back. I want to put you first. If you yes. feel the Lord is speaking to you in that area of your heart, while I sing this song, come forward. Come do business with the Lord. I want to be fruitful, Lord. I want to bear fruit, not just 30, 60, but 100-fold. I want to fulfill your purpose and my destiny before I go home and be with you. And I cannot, I cannot really do that unless I evaluate and make certain life-changing decisions in my life. So the altar is open. The call has been given out. So do what the Spirit of God prompts you to do. If you want me to pray for you, I will gladly do so. But I know it's going to take more than just me praying for you and laying my hands on you. But perhaps it will give you a kickstart. If you want to come and kneel at the altar and do business with God, then feel free to do so. Allow the Spirit to minister to you as you open your heart and say, Lord, here I am. Do whatever it takes, but I do not want to remain the same for the rest of my life. Something has to change. We bless you, Father, today. Blessed Holy Spirit, the Word has been given, and I stand upon the promise of your Word that no word from you will return void unto you, but it will accomplish what you please. It will prosper in the things you send it, and I give you thanks and I magnify your Word today for doing His work in our hearts, in our minds, in our attitude, in our lives, in our families, and in this fellowship, Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. I have made you too small in my eyes, O oh Lord.
that you were unable to help me. But now, oh Lord, I see my wrong. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Heal my heart and show yourself strong. And in my eyes and with my song, oh Lord, be magnified. Oh Lord, be magnified. Be magnified, oh Lord. You are highly exalted and there is nothing you can't do oh Lord my eyes are on you be magnified oh Lord be magnified thank you for listening to this message for additional resources and more information about this ministry come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za